We are in week two of our series that has been titled Searching for Justice in Unjust Times, and we are walking through the book of Habakkuk. Easiest way to get there, if you remember from last week and you were here, the easiest way to get there is find Matthew and go to your left five books. If you find Matthew and go to your left, back into the Old Testament, five books, you'll find the book of Habakkuk. And um, so this morning, I normally do not introduce a sermon with a video, but something that I was a part of a year ago Thursday. So this past Thursday, a year ago, I sat in a room filled with about 9,000 Southern Baptist and some reporters who were probably not Southern Baptist, but it was called the 2016 Southern Baptist Convention. It happened in St. Louis, and uh, during that few days, all the guys who were in charge of the different entities of the Southern Baptist Convention, like the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, the Religious and Ethics of Liberty, Religious Liberty, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Um, they all took answer, questions and had answers. And um, there was one that reminded me of where we're going this morning. And it is a gentleman, excuse me, a pastor in the great state of Arkansas. Any Arkansians or Arkansasians in the house? Some are still asleep from uh, last week in Texas. But he's going to ask a question, okay? And you're going to think just kind of like maybe the 9,000 that were in the room that they thought, well, on one level, maybe this guy's got, it's, it's okay to have this question. And then you're going to hear an answer. And it's not going to be the answer that I was thinking about as I sat there and my face changed as the answer was given by one Dr. Russell Moore. Which is what? It's John Walker, I pastor on the Red Baptist Church in Armour, Arkansas. I have a question for Dr. Moore. I would like to know how in the world someone within the Southern Baptist Convention can support the defending of rights for Muslims to construct mosques in the United States when these people threaten our very way of existence as Christians and Americans. They are murdering Christians, beheading Christians, and imprisoning Christians all over the world. Uh, do you actually believe that if Jesus Christ were here today that he would support this and that he would stand up and say, well, let us protect the rights of those bell worshippers to erect temples to Baal? What was his question? His question was this. How in the world can Southern Baptists, and let's even expand it just a little bit, how in the world can Christians in America come to the defense of Muslims and for Muslims to have the opportunity to build a mosque, their house of worship? And then he went a step further and he said, do you actually believe that if Jesus Christ was here today that he would allow these Baal worshipers to erect temples so that they could bow down to Baal? Just drive the stake home just a little bit. And now we paused it. There was, there was a, a, a punch that we paused it on. And let me just tell you the punch. Russell Moore, 
He is the uh, chair of the Ethics and Religious Liberty um, Commission. Um, it is in Washington and also has um, offices in Nashville. And he starts his answer this way. He says, sometimes we have questions that are hard and we have to think about them. And then he says, this is not one of them. And he goes off. Things are really complicated and we have to spend a lot of time thinking them through and, and, and not sure exactly uh, what the final result is going to be. Sometimes we have really hard decisions to make. This isn't one of those things. What it means to be a Baptist is to support soul freedom for everybody. And brothers and sisters, when you have a government that says we can decide whether or not a house of worship can be constructed based upon the theological beliefs of that house of worship, then there are going to be Southern Baptist churches in San Francisco and New York and throughout this country who are not going to be able to build. And the bigger issue, though, is not one of self-interest. The bigger issue is the fact that we have been called to the gospel of Jesus Christ. A government that has the power to outlaw people from assembling together and saying what they believe, that does not turn people into Christians. That turns people into pretend Christians, and it sends them straight to hell. The answer to Islam is not government power. The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the new birth that comes from that. Thank you, Dr. Moore. Okay, so um, two things. One, did you see the guy's face behind Moore when he went, oh, yeah, that was good. And second, I love how um, Dr. Ronnie Floyd said, oh, thank you, Dr. Moore, let's move on. Um, the questions after that, they weren't as intense as that one, let me tell you. And you're like, all right, why in the world did you show us that? It's not necessarily the topic, but it's the question. Because as you remember last week, Habakkuk had a complaint in front of God. And as Habakkuk spoke that complaint in chapter 1, we're going to look at it again in chapter 1 and beginning of chapter 2, as he complains and as he brings these questions before Almighty God and before God answers him, it sounds like Habakkuk is on the right road. It sounds like he's tracking. It sounds like he is in the right vein, the right mode, the right mindset as he is coming before God. And then God just goes off like Dr. Moore did. Like 150 million times more than what he did. So let me read the verses for us. And we're going to look at Three main points this morning out of Habakkuk as we are searching for justice in unjust times. I'm not going to read the whole book like we did last week, but I am going to start in chapter 1, verse 1, and we will go down through chapter 2, verse number 5. states this, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, Listen to, listen to his complaint here. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? 
destruction and violence, they are before me. Strife and contention, they arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Verse 5, look among the nations and see, wonder, God's answer back to Habakkuk's first complaint. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then, then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. That's not the answer that you thought God would give Habakkuk. Habakkuk's second complaint starts in verse 12. And here's where we'll spend our time this morning. Are you not from everlasting? Oh Lord my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. Oh Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment. And you, oh rock, you have established them for reproof. Verse 13, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil, And cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors? And remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. You make mankind like the fish of the sea. Like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out. For uh, with his net, he gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices his net, sacrifices to his net, and makes offerings to his dragnet, for they, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Verse 17. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly Killing nations forever? I will take my stand, Habakkuk states. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And God answers a second time. And the Lord answered me. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, my soul is puffed up. 
It is not upright within him. Excuse me. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, like death. He has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his as his own, all peoples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an answer to a question. A question that maybe on the surface, Lord, we think is foreign to us. But Father, how you have shown me multiple times over here recently that that question, in one shape, form, or fashion, has rolled off of my tongue, come across my gray matter, my thoughts, my attitudes, and one I believe that every single one of us asks. Every single one of us sees. Every single one of us thinks about. If not daily, we think about it often. And sometimes we voice them. So Father, may we see how you respond in those moments. May we see how even this prophet of yours, how he questioned you and what his actions were. So that when those times come in our lives, we, yes, we may question, we might even complain. But may our action be there as well. And Lord, thank you. Thank you from the the outset of this. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for desiring to, to show yourself to us and to be seen. God, if we don't see anything else in this passage, we see that you hear our prayers. And we see, Lord, that you desire to show yourself to us. And you show up in our lives. Father, for your church this morning, as a whole and Father, as individuals, men, women, boys, and girls, would you speak to me, to us, in such a way that we know it's you? Father, it rips us away You're speaking. Your word rips us away from this world that we so often have grabbed onto full fist with everything that we have. God, you seek and save the lost. Father, your gospel, your great news is not just for the lost. It's for me. It's for us. Those who have bowed the knee and Confess with our mouths that your son Jesus is Lord. God, use that gospel, that great news to draw us back to yourself today. For you are worthy of our worship and our lives. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So the story... The introduction is not necessarily because of the content, but because of the stark difference 
in the question and the answer that one thought that he was going to receive. Habakkuk did not believe that he would receive the answers in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that he did receive from the Father. He thought that he was on, in the terminology of today, he thought that he was on the right side with the one who he was asking, whom he was asking. But he saw quickly, he heard quickly, that he was not on the same side. Our three points this morning are these. The first, the complaint of a man is voiced. The complaint of a man is voiced. In verses 12 through 17, Habakkuk has a complaint, and he brings that complaint to the Father. He voices that complaint. He's not going out like so many of us might go out and talk to friends and neighbors and family members and just complain, complain, complain. Nope. He has one audience in mind. And that audience is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. That audience is on the throne. That audience... Is God Himself. Let me read you the complaint once again. Verse number 12. Are you not from everlasting? Are you not from everlasting? Oh Lord my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. Oh Lord. You have ordained them, the the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, you have ordained them as judgment. And you, O rock, you have established them for reproof. You who are pure, are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors? Why do you remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? In that complaint, we see the character of Almighty God questioned. Do you see it? We see his character question. In verse number 12 and verse number 13, if you look at Habakkuk's terminology, and I read it with some emphasis, and it's a rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question, and in English, that rhetorical question does not hold every punch and aspect that one might think. And it may not even hold the rebuke in English as it does in Hebrew. But in Hebrew, there is a sense of defiance in Habakkuk. In Hebrew... There is this tone of Habakkuk raising his fist and shaking his fist at God. Have you ever done that? 
Have you ever thought about that? There's this sense of defiance, him shaking his fist, and it seems that way that Habakkuk states, standing, raising his whole countenance to him and saying, we will not die. There's no way that you're going to use them who you've made a judgment, who you've made a reproof, you've ordained that on the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, there's no way that we're going to die. This example is given to help drive Habakkuk's point home. In verses 14 through 17, he calls them fishermen. They've got a hook, they've got a net, then they've got a drag net, and they're just going across the sea of humanity, and they are hooking, catching whoever they can, and not looking a second glance at it. And that's the complaint. Look back in those verses, and you as, you as you think about verse 12 and verse 13, what's the characteristic or what's the attribute that he speaks of? He says, you're everlasting. And then he says, oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. Oh Lord, your, your eyes are purer than to look at any evil. This is his complaint in chapter 1, the first um, five or six verses, and now again in verse 12 down through the end of the chapter. This is his complaint. He runs to this attribute, this characteristic of God, and says, you're holy. There's no way that you can look at evil. There's no way that you can allow this to happen. You've got, to pay, you've got to pay close attention because if you don't, I will be misunderstood and I will have to answer questions for like six months. And I don't want to. God's holy. No. God's holy, holy, holy. It's the only attribute in Scripture that is spoken of three times in a row. He is holy. Understand? Everybody get that? He's holy. But you must also understand that that's not His only attribute. He's not just holy. He is holy. He is set apart. He is holy and pure and righteous, He is that. But He's not just that. And if all you and I do like Habakkuk is focus on that one attribute and we don't ever look at His faithfulness, His mercy, His grace, His love, His trust, His forgiveness, and we look at all those other and we don't look at those other attributes, then we miss it. Got me thinking as I, as I was reading this and, and thinking about, all right, how do, I, how do I make this point? And I remember a movie that I watched. It's not a great movie. It's got Matt Damon in it, something about Mars. And, and all he had to eat was potatoes. And uh, the whole thing was he was about to die because the, the crop didn't work right. But I, I just went to Google and I said, can you live off a whole diet of potatoes? And I tell you, there is a number of folks who have written articles about it. It surprised me. Shouldn't have surprised me. How many articles there are written on it? But there, there are all kinds of articles written on potatoes. 
Before I give you the answer, just think about it for a moment. It's kind of like uh, Bubba and Forrest Gump and all the shrimp, but it's like potatoes. Can you live on a whole diet of potatoes like Jojo potatoes, French fried potatoes, mashed, scalloped, baked, baked twice, shoestring, wedges, seasoned, boiled, steamed, roasted, potato chips, potato casserole, potato salad, potato pancakes, potato au gratin, I mean potatoes. Can you live off of a diet of just potatoes? For a day, yes. For a week, yes. For a month, yeah. For a year, probably. For three years, five years, no. You cannot. There are vitamins, minerals, nutrients that your body must have that if all you eat is potatoes, you will die. If all you and I look at, like Habakkuk, as one attribute of this infinitely attributed God, if all we do is look at one attribute and we are focused so intently on that one, we miss all of it. Is God holy? Yes. How in the world can a holy God use some rebel, Chaldean, Babylonian, Baal-worshipping guys to bring judgment on His people? Because He's not just holy. He is righteous and just. And He will bring about His story for His people and all of creation. God in His character is more than His holiness. Habakkuk is saying, because you are holy, you can't look at evil. Yet God looks at evil every single day. Because every time you sin, and every time I sin, He's present. Every time you have that thought that you're not supposed to have, every time that your eyes look at something, ladies and gentlemen, that you're not supposed to look at, every time the words come out of your mouth that you're not supposed to say, every action that you and I do with our hands and our feet and our lives that go totally against Him, God is present. And He sees it. A lot of those days that he sees evil and a lot of those seconds that he sees evil are days and seconds that he sees me doing evil and he sees you doing evil and he saw Habakkuk doing evil so the complaint of a man is voiced but second, I'm so thankful that chapter 2, verse 1 is in the Scripture. Because we see this second point that the act of faith is exercised. The act of faith is exercised. Now, before I get to the point, I, I just got to tell you. This is one of the worst examples of, of how verses and chapters are broken up. I don't know why in the world somebody broke 
the end of chapter 1 at verse 17, instead of making Habakkuk chapter 1 18 verses long and Habakkuk chapter 2 start in verse number 2, it, does, it, it just boggles my mind, but I can't just get caught up there. But this is a terrible example of how to break a chapter. Just go ahead and tell you that. Probably didn't bother y'all at all. That's okay. It bothered me, but I'm getting over it like 47 years from now. Here's what it says in verse 1. This is Habakkuk talking, right? This is Habakkuk. This is the one who just brought all these complaints. He has not got the answer yet. That comes in verse 2 down through verse 5. And here's what Habakkuk says. I will take my stand at my watch post. I will take my stand and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Even with questions, even with a complaint, you and I see a man who exercises his faith. He raised his fist up to God and said, God, I thought you were everlasting. God, I thought you were my holy one. I thought you're, you were my rock of my salvation and that there was no way that you could do this. But, but even though I can't understand it, even though I don't understand what's happening in my life right now, even though I don't understand what's going on in my job, I'm going to, I'm going to just take my stand and exercise my faith knowing that you are who you say you are. I will go to my station on the tower. I will stand at my post. I'm just going to do the job that you have called me to do, and I'm going to do it in my faith, just doing the last thing that God commanded him to do. Do you see the glowing statement of faith there? Has his complaint been answered? Has his question been understood in his mind yet? You ever seen a 3D picture? You look at it, there's all kinds of shapes, and there's multiple shapes over and over and over again, pattern one after another after another. And, and the instructions are for you to see the picture, the real picture that's going to jump out at you. You've got to look through the picture that you see. Some of you are looking at me like that right now. What are you talking about? You've got to look at the picture, but you've got to look through those designs to see what's really in there, and it's going to jump out at you. Go Google it later. 3D pictures, it's going to come up, multiple of them. But Habakkuk says, God, I don't understand it. But my faith is in you. Even when I don't understand it, Lord, and I can't fathom why in the world, how in the world you could use them, why in the world you would use them. We are more righteous than they are. Remember looking on this horizontal plane instead of a vertical plane. We're not judged against all the other peoples of the earth. We're judged against one Jesus, the Christ, the perfect one. 
he looks and he sees it. And he exercises this faith, even though he doesn't understand it at the moment. He has made his thoughts known. But he gets on the wall. He goes to the post. He goes to the tower. And he goes to work. And this is so needed for you today. So needed for me today. This is needed because some of us, our jobs stink. Some of us in the room right now, our spouses are horrible. Our kids are rebels. Health is nowhere to be found. Life is pitiful. And finances are toast. Does it resonate with any of you? Does that resonate with me? And guess what you're supposed to do when all of those things or any one of those things are true in your life? Take your post on the wall. Go to the tower. Go to the station that's your post, my post, and stand there and do what God told you to do. Brian, it's not easy. You better believe it's not easy. Brian, I don't like it. Didn't say you had to like it. What's the statement that I've used multiple times? Faith, feet, feeling. Here's your faith. This is where I'm going to stand. I'm going to act on it. I'm moving my feet. I'm living in it. And that will then draw your feelings with you. If you get them out of kilter, it's not going to work. Faith, feet, feelings. Habakkuk shows his faith. Habakkuk shows his feet. And by the end, if you stay with me a couple more weeks, I promise you there will be some feeling with Habakkuk understanding what in the world God is doing. But you and I must obey. You and I must obey when when we think it's okay or when we think it's right. And you and I must obey when it's hard, tedious, and even hurtful. We must act in faith. Third and finally, we see the answer. It is not the answer that Habakkuk thought. It's not the answer that you and I would think, but it is the answer that God gives, and it is right. Okay, Habakkuk, I hear you. Let me read verses 2 through 4 one more time. And let's try to make this point. The Lord answered me. Just stop right there. Aren't you glad he answers you? Aren't you glad that God answers you? God answers your prayers. He hears your prayers. He answers those prayers. When you come to him, even in angst, even in in, even aspect of being defiant, and you say, God, I can't believe all this. God answers his children's prayer. And the Lord answered me. Now, I'm going to read this, okay? And you think, and we're going to talk for a second. Y'all probably aren't going to talk back, but that's all right. We're going to have a discussion. When I read verse 2, just I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and, and I'll be the only one that does it. But that's all right. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. When I read that, when I, think about, when I was thinking about it, and I read that, it sounds to me... 
You don't have to raise your hand. It sounds to me that God's saying, hey, what I'm about to tell you in this vision, everybody, when they hear it, they're going to want to run. Like, run to the hills. Judgment's coming. Run and try to hide in a cave. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, hey, you go get some tablets. You write down what I'm telling you. And you write it so clear you write it so plain, you write it so bold that when somebody's going down Interstate 55, they can look at the billboard sign and they know exactly what I'm saying. They're going to be going 70 plus miles an hour. And they're going to be going with all their thoughts and minds on something else, but you write it on that billboard such a way that they will have to know that I said it. Here's the vision. For still, the vision awaits its appointed time. The vision hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, you wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul, speaking of the Chaldeans, speaking of the Babylonians. Some translations have it Babylonians. Some translations have it Chaldeans. So that's the people he's talking about. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It's not upright within him. There's the contrast, verse 4, but the righteous, they shall live by his faith. And then he gives an example of wine and arrogance and greed in the verse number five. Let me make the argument and let's close. He says, make the vision so plain that folks flying by can see it. The vision hastens. You and I think, no, it's taking its sweet time. Nope, it's hastened. It's coming. It is, it is fast. It is right there in front of us. It's right there in front of Habakkuk. For him to see, for, for the folks in Israel to see, for the world to see, and it's the same today. His vision for today and his vision for future days is coming. It is not slow. It is not being delayed. It is happening. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I don't have them on the screen, but let me read them for us. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9 states this. But do not overlook Overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Not, not just patient toward others. Patient toward you. Who are you? Here's who you are. Sons and daughters of His. Sons who have bowed the knee. Sons who have confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Daughters who have done the same. Men and women, boys and girls who are the king's children. Who are a part of his bride. The Lord is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish. But that all, all should reach repentance. So what are you and I to do today? What if life stinks this week? What if the spouse is horrible? What if the job is terrible? 
What if the kids are rebels? What if health is fleeting? What if just life stinks? What are we to do? I believe an argument could be made that Habakkuk did not sin in Habakkuk chapter 1. Because Habakkuk took his complaint to the one who could answer the complaint. Now, we don't have Habakkuk's every day. We don't have the journal. We don't know if there was an appointment with all these friends and they had coffee around Starbucks table of the day and they were just sitting there yagging back and forth and having a gossip time and a slander time of all the folks that the Chaldeans had. And We don't have that. And if that was the case, he was wrong. But you and I must understand that God, not, not, not necessarily your God, But God, the God who created everything, who is sitting on the throne forever and ever and ever, that God is able to take your complaint. That God is able to have you question what's going on. Because that God, the God, is in control. And that God, is ruling and reigning in splendor and in majesty and might. And there is no shifting or turning with him. There's no slumber. He didn't forget about anything. He's not slow. He's not delayed. He is right on time because he created time and works in and outside of what he created every moment of existence. So even with questions and uncertainties of your life, even with questions and uncertainties in finances and relationship and wealth and well-being, responsibilities, you and I see the example and you and I are challenged, commanded to act in faith. And when the answers come, and they will come, when the answers come, rejoice. Rejoice that this God over everything saw fit to show you some details of his plan. Always remembering that he's not late or early. He's on time. He's working. And all the while, worshiping. Worship those characteristics and attributes that you like to think of him about. You know, that he's holy. That he's everlasting. That he is the rock of the salvation. But also worship him about the other attributes as well. That he is just. And he is righteous. And he is faithful, forgiving. He is one who is a God of wrath and jealous. But he's also a God who is salt and light and life. And worship him today. Habakkuk had complaints. You and I have them, if we're honest. But even in the midst of his complaints and his questions, maybe where you and I might differ from him and where you and I need to come on board with him is not just having the complaints and having the questions, but then standing unanswered in faith and exercising it every single day 
until the answer comes. And even when the answer comes. Heavenly Father, for something that took place 600 plus years before Jesus was born, before Jesus went to the cross, to be so relevant for 2017 at the Tillman House and every other house here at River Bend, and every other house that exists. God, thank you that it is a challenge of how I live about moments in my day. It is a challenge of how I come to you. And Father, it is an exercise that we, not just myself, but we need to be about in faith for today. God, would you move? Would your spirit fall fresh on us in this moment? God, you change hearts. You draw people to yourself. It's not us. It is you. Would you do that even now? Father, there are a number of us in the room. I'm, I'm not naive. Father, there are a number of us in this room who are far from you. God, do what you do. You seek and save the lost. God, you woo those. It's your kindness that brings us back to repentance. Would you do that? And would you be praised and worshipped from our lives today, right now? We ask it in Christ's name.